What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, Warren versus Wealth. Again. It is time for a wealth tax in America. The campaign ad taking direct aim at billionaires. It can run on CNN, MSNBC, Fox. It's trolling. And everywhere that could possibly exist. But who is it targeting, really? Chef and entrepreneur Lydia Bastianich. It's a time for restaurants to take a look because the business is really changing on the international language of food. Those stories and more of the latest headlines. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Thursday, November 14th, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Here, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The public hearings on the House impeachment inquiry kicked off yesterday. During the five and a half hours of questioning, current top U.S. diplomat to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, revealed new information about President Trump's role in possibly pressuring Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden. member of my staff could hear President Trump on the phone asking Ambassador Sondland about the investigations. Lawmakers are speculating that the impeachment inquiry could last weeks or maybe months. Makes for dramatic moments on Capitol Hill, right? But how does it impact the markets, still hovering near all-time highs? Joining us is Ed Mills. He's Washington policy analyst for Raymond James. And uh, so far, it looks like the markets have been shrugging this off, right, Ed? Yeah, I think that's right. I think what you saw yesterday was, you know, very interesting testimony, but you had to spend five and a half hours to really get into the meat of it. Uh, Right now, what the market is pricing in is that the House is more likely than not or near certain to pass articles of impeachment. It moves to the Senate, and the Senate is extremely unlikely, at least at this time, to remove the president from office. And so they are focused on getting through this earnings season, focused on the kind of economic reports that are coming out of the Fed, which generally are pretty good. Is there a moment, you think, when the markets will sit up and pay more attention, or does it rely entirely on whether or not the Senate would act? Yeah, I think what we'll be looking for kind of near term is this testimony next week by uh, Ambassador Sunland. Uh, He is once again in the center of this, and now with this overheard phone call, uh, he's already updated his testimony once. We'll see if he has to update his testimony a second time. The next thing the market will look at is how many, if any, Republicans side with Democrats in the passage of any impeachment kind of uh, articles of impeachment. And then there will be a speculation on is that enough to really start breaking kind of the damn wall um, in the Senate? Uh, Certainly senators like Mitt Romney 
seem to be more likely than not to possibly side uh, on conviction. Other kind of more senior senators, someone like a Lamar Alexander, who is retiring, a senior statesman in the Senate, he's who I'd be watching in the Senate to see if there is any sort of problem for the president as it relates to kind of conviction and removal. How do you think this impacts President Trump's reelection potential for next year? Because that might be something the market pays a little more attention to. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good question. Um, You know, it is clear that for the most part, Everyone in this country has put on their jerseys, has gone to their side. If you're for Trump, you're against impeachment. If you're against Trump, you're for impeachment. Um, There is a small group in the middle, uh, especially those who are in the suburbs. This is what we learned in last week's election. That's what we learned in the 2018 election, that uh, Republicans and President Trump right now are fairly toxic in the suburbs. And so if impeachment doesn't result in removal, but continues to derode that support in the suburbs for President Trump, that could be a real warning sign uh, for his re-election campaign, especially if those suburbs of Philadelphia, the suburbs um, in kind of Detroit or kind of Milwaukee, um, where those are the key three states, in my opinion, for this presidential election, continue to deteriorate for the president, there'll be much more speculation that he'd have a tough time, uh, regardless of the outcome of this uh, impeachment inquiry uh, for re-election in 2020. Who's it going to be? Who's the Dem going to be? Buttigieg? Now, who do you think, Ed? It's been um, moving his way. Well, what I have been focused on more recently is that we are easily on our way towards the first contested convention since 1952. I I think that, too. I I, I think that's Bloomberg's play, right? Oh, maybe him. That's what he thinks, is that if if it's not going to be clean, if it gets... John Kerry. You just got to get there. Patrick. Yeah, no, I mean, if if, if, if Donald Trump ran under the Democrats' (laughs) rules... He would have gotten to the convention in 2016 without a majority of the delegates. Um, And so if you do have Bloomberg who steps in, if we have Deval Patrick who steps in, if it is a three or four kind of candidate race uh, going into Super Tuesday, you know, Democrats, if you get 15 percent of the vote in any congressional district in this country, you too, Joe, could get a, a delegate. So okay. uh, you should be in the running. I don't know what I'd do with it once I got one. Well, you you would be in the conversation well, Patrick, come uh, Milwaukee in July. Now in the race. What happened to Bloomberg with you? You cutting him loose now like you did Howard Schultz once they are say you that? Kidding me? So you still are a Bloom? Uh, you're, you're a Bloomberg. I think Bloomberg's terrific. Okay. You know I think Bloomberg's. Well, terrific. I can't I believe you're throwing most. out Deval Patrick now. You're so fickle. Deval Patrick just announced yesterday. I know, but you're so f- hey, now you like you. him. Bye bye. Carl Icahn now pushing for the proposed merger between Xerox and Hewlett-Packard. Now, Icahn revealed late yesterday that he has built a, a 4.24 position, a percent stake, I should say, in HP, valued at roughly $1.2 billion. He already owned more than 10% of Xerox. Now, Icahn told the journal he started buying HP in February without any intention of doing a deal with Xerox. His comments are the first confirmation that Icahn is behind that deal. But I hope you all remember this. Squawk Box viewers were tipped off last Wednesday, when research analyst Don uh, Bilson joined us and told us he believed that Icon was pulling the strings behind that deal. We have reason to believe that he's also on the other side, which he's already at HP. Carl Icahn's 13Fs are notoriously poor for disclosure. Um, they're watermarked with confidential status. For some reason, the SEC has allowed him to operate that way. So he's going to, he has schemed. He has found a way to kind of game the system so he doesn't have to report. It's possible that no more reported for him. 
And you may also remember that Bilson also sniffed out Warren Buffett's involvement in that accidental uh, Anadarko deal by tracking private planes. And we talked a lot about uh, looking for tail numbers. He said at that point he had to come up with a different way to start tracking things. Because people were hiding there. We're talking about Blue Horseshoe and Lawrence Wildman and and, uh, Anacott Steel and riding around. You asked him if he rode around on a Vespa following (laughs) CEOs around like like Buddy Fox. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. We did. We work lost one and a quarter billion during the third quarter, weighed down by growing expenses. Uh, that comes despite revenue nearly doubling compared to a year earlier. Last month, SoftBank uh, Group increased its ownership in WeWork to nearly 80% in a $6.5 billion rescue package. Did you happen to see what Adam Newman was, where he was looking at, at some property? Did you see that yesterday? Yeah. Where? Which one? Uh, somewhere in, uh, on Park Avenue. Uh, oh, another another place he's going to buy? For $45 million Well, he's got his something. pay package. Now, ah, uh, Newman. Newman. <laughs> I can't... Was that a cultural reference you that just... Was, that, huh? was, that was a cultural You're reference. You're coming around. I'm going to... a $45 million penthouse on Park Avenue. Why did I see our, that? And according not to you. our good friends at the New York Post. Because you were on a train oh, for eight it's, hours. It's the New you York read everything. Post. I was on a train for eight hours. You read exactly. everything yesterday. I well, I know this building. Oh, it's next to the church. Um, it's a nice building, actually. It should be for $45 million. Yeah. Is it near one of your units in that building? <laughs> no, it's not. It is not. Uh, I don't have any units. I'd like some. You know our one percenter problems? Remember that? Yeah. Do you fix that? That echo in your foyer? Now you're it, using my jokes. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> you're using mine. I'm using yours. It's nice. Anyway. It's because of this set, I think. Set, the set. And we get to... I mean, right. We're here with Becky. That's so perfect that she's right there, isn't it? Perfect. They're going to ask us to move on. You know that. They're going to ask us to move along. No more here. Tease next. Next on Squawk Pod, Senator Elizabeth Warren doubles down against the wealthy, and it gets pretty meta. I can make a list for her if she really wants. Right. She's, she's of the bad billion. Of the, of the ones that, the greedy bad billionaires. Who? We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Up and Andrew, cute. Okay, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. What do we say about that? I mean, let's talk about it. Well, let's tell you the story. Senator Elizabeth Warren is launching a new attack on billionaires, buying commercial time on our TV network, CNBC, to air a campaign ad. It is time for a wealth tax in America. I've heard that there are some billionaires who don't support this plan. The ad takes aim at a few familiar faces in the business community, like former Goldman Sachs CEO Lloyd Blankfein. But the spot's first target is hedge fund mogul Leon Cooperman. And the video used is from an appearance on CNBC. The vilification of billionaires makes no sense to me. It's bull. The graphics on screen over his comments read net worth, $3.2 billion, and in large block lettering, charged with insider trading. This is just the latest shot between Warren and Cooperman. He recently sent her an open letter claiming her treatment of him was like, quote, a parent chiding an ungrateful child. 
these comments have kind of gotten spun off into the broader universe. Into some kind of mythical unicorn. It just right. makes no sense. A yeah. couple of things. First of all, this ad that they're buying on CNBC, I can't imagine they're actually buying the ad so that they can persuade the audience right. that she is the right person. It's they not are the, buying it's, it on it's CNBC so that it can <laughs> run on CNN, MSNBC, yeah, it's, Fox, uh, it's trolling. and everywhere <laughs> that could possibly exist and get lots of coverage. We're covering it. It's being covered on all the other yeah. networks. And so that's that. It's Number two, it's trolling, right? they're taking, obviously, shots at Lee Cooperman, who, who's been on our air. There's, by the way, there's, they then take a shot of Lloyd Blankfine, uh, who was at a CNN event recently, um, talking about... I mean, they sort of pop through the things. I, I, I'm surprised that they, they didn't take the Bill Gates video yet. Well, I mean, okay, she, do, do you know what she has done? I don't know if you saw it over the weekend. Her... Her campaign site is now saying it's got a kind of a snarky ad to bring people in on Twitter. It says, are you a billionaire? You answer yes or no. Do you want to see what the billionaire tax is doing? Right. It's a billionaire tax and calculator. And a special link for a Bill special link, and for each and person. And it's every, every right. single one of the rich guys who have said anything about it. Right. Jamie's on the list. Bill's on the list. Uh, right. Jeff Bezos is on the list. Lee Cooperman's on the list. It's uh, Look, the, 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 to me at least... Like Lee Cooperman actually wants somewhat relatively progressive tax policies. Right. Bill Gates wants Bill Gates very progressive too. tax policies. So the whole thing to me... Lloyd is Lloyd, so... Lloyd, le- I, I argue with him all the time. He's a total lefty. But 90% of the time, I mean, now they're eating their own. She's trying to make sure that none of them will speak out against her. This is what happens. I mean, you know, it, this is involving us now. Somehow we're right. part of the story, so I don't really feel like... I would never talk about something that involved us, but but I thought about it initially, and it was like, hey, if you want to reach billionaires, you advertise on CNBC. And then I thought, wait a minute. I don't know if I want those nasty people watching us. I don't want to take credit. For it. So I don't know where to come down. You're not preaching to the but, choir. But you're in your, you're out of your, you're not in your. She's trolling that class. Right, she is. She's but she's not in an echo chamber. She but needs she's to go. doing it because of the echo chamber. Because she, I know. gets picked up. She's going to get in the other echo chamber. I understand. Exactly. I Here exactly. we are talking about But I yeah, do think right. that the shots that she's taking, for the most part, against these individuals for the particular people she's chosen. I mean, that's the thing. I could, I could make a list for her if she really wants. But right. she's, she's of chosen. the bad billionaires. <laughs> of the, of the ones that, the no, greedy inter- bad billionaires. She's, who? she's chosen very carefully anybody who's kind of said that she, her which plan billionaires, is Which these billionaires are, these are, are all which ones are bad? Which ones don't give it away? Which no, no, ones no, are no, not no. philanthropic? Look, we've had, and I, I, what, what, Warren Buffett has a great line that he says, uh, you know, um, Right, by, I know, I know. I, I used that the other day. Criticized by, by category, category, not by name. But, yeah. we have, we've had all name. sorts of guests who've come here and have argued in favor of uh, carried, the, the carried interest. No, they uh, do that for tax, a reason, not just self-interest, some of them. And a lot of them have philosophical... All I'm saying and is... And they have big... A lot of the guys that, that but argue for carried... But with self-interest and whatnot. I'm just no, saying... No, I don't think it is self-interest. You think there's no self-interest. But I don't. All, all no. I'm suggesting is... Because they're giving it away anyway. There are people who are not on her political side who have argued for tax policies that are completely antithetical to what she thinks, and I can't, I'm can't. i shocked that she doesn't go after them. Instead, she goes after the people who actually probably well, are more closely aligned but with she's her. Appealing. But, but, but these are people who might support another Democrat. Not, Correct. Some, not people who would necessarily, in all cases, Correct. support And the people that, that, she, the people that so she's appealing to already agree looking, with her on this, and they hate the billionaire, too. And, and you know what? I have already taken my stand. These guys are on their own. 
I'm not a billionaire. There's nothing in defending them for me. You're defending them more than I am now. They're on there. I got a billion. I don't have a billion. Tax them. I tax them at 95%, bastards. Well, the way most really? Should we be happy that if you want to reach them, you reach them through CNBC? I, I, no, I, I think you should. That's bad, too. because no, that's, no not about that. I just don't think that's even part of the calculus. Because she thinks she just wants to be written up somewhere else. It's not that, the actual ads. 100%. talked about. Okay, water quotes. By the way, find out how many, how many ads she actually purchased and then call me. Me, what? What, what do you think it's one? I have to do that? No, my point is... No, I don't even have your phone I, number. I don't believe that she's running these 24 hours a day. Can I text you? Hours a day. I don't. Uh, I can don't. I email you? I don't have your phone number. You do. I know. I do. I'm kidding. Not many people do. All right. Before you give it away, yeah. let me take over here. Joining us right now to talk about it is Joel Griffith. He's research fellow for the Heritage Foundation's Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity. And Jared Bernstein, the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities senior fellow, also a CNBC contributor. Uh, Jared, what do you think? You have advised yeah. Democrats. Is this a smart play? Uh, Lee, if you're listening, uh, don't go on TV today. Uh, look, I, I, I hate to create a hole in your 12 o'clock spot, but you know, the baseball players have a saying, uh, a boo on the road is a cheer at home. Uh, as far as Elizabeth Warren's political brand and her campaign are concerned, these billionaires are doing her a great favor by inveighing against her uh, wealth tax. Now, we can have very good arguments about whether her wealth tax is the right way to go after wealth, but the fact that wealth is more concentrated than it's ever been, this is a huge issue for Democrats. And the idea that so much wealth escapes taxation, especially unrealized gains, is at the heart of a really important public finance debate that she's uh, helped to start. So I think she's done us a great service. And I think these billionaires are, are their own worst enemies right now. If, you, if, it's helping, if it's helping her, why are you against uh, Lee Cooper in coming on then? You're against her? Well, I'm just saying that, like, uh, if, if those uh, billionaires want to give me a tiny chunk of their wealth, I will give them so some we, excellent media advice. You should want Lee Cooperman to come on. It's a, it's a fair Because point. it helps Elizabeth Warren, unless you don't want to help Elizabeth Warren. I'm just saying that I don't, I, I'm, look, I'm being honest. I don't okay. understand the logic. These folks are Wait their worst offenders. You're being honest? I'm always honest. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't need to say it. Joel, uh, he brings up a good point. This is red meat to a lot of Elizabeth Warren supporters. Well, Jared is arguing we should be having a discussion about the right way to go after this wealth. I would say uh, that we should be discussing whether or not we should be going after this wealth at all, because what we know is that this capital that investors have been able to accumulate, it's not as if they're holding this in bank vaults under their mattresses. This is the capital that's being invested in research, being invested in development. It's being invested in new and existing business opportunities. If we begin taking that wealth, then the economic study showed that over a longer period of time, this would wipe out in excess of 70% of the wealth of some of these investors. This means negative economic results for hey, Joel, all of us, not just on the wealthy. Joel, I want to stop you because there's, to me there's an issue here, which is that Folks like yourself, and I don't want to I don't project onto you, but I'd say the Heritage and others for a very, very long time have pushed back, frankly, on any not wealth tax, but on any additional taxes at all. Um, and in fact, I would argue that it's the result of that pushback on what I consider the low hanging fruit on a system that doesn't work. That's that's led to maybe and we can describe it as an overshoot, if you'd like. The pendulum maybe has swung now too far to the point where, where conversation is meaningfully happening in this country around a wealth tax. But I, I would argue to you that a, the reason this conversation about a wealth tax is even happening is because the easy stuff, the stuff that seems so unfair to the average American, has been allowed to 
persist as long as it has. How do you think about that? Uh, I I think uh, I understand where you're coming from, but the fact is uh, a lot of these uh, proposals have worked. If we've looked at how we've had the top income tax rate has been brought down from where it was in the 1970s, we've seen the gain on capital, we've seen the income tax and capital gains, we've seen that come down substantially. And I would argue we've seen positive economic results from that. We have median household income at an all-time record high. And if you compare our average family to Germany, for instance, which is a very prosperous country, our disposable income per family in this country is $11,000 higher than Germany, for instance. And that is a gap that has widened. But then how how would you answer the question about the the inequality gap, which has only risen? Um, I think that our focus should not be on the difference in equality of wealth or income. The focus should be on the gap in equality of opportunity. Let me get in here. So first of all, all, um, Pretty much every Democrat running for office strongly disagrees that inequality should be off the table. And I understand why you'd want to go there. But I think more fundamentally, Joel is really telling the old supply-side trickle-down story. And that's just been disproved time and time again. And Exhibit A right now is uh, the Trump tax cuts, which were billed, a very significant cut in the corporate rate, which were billed as uh, an investment uh, charger. And business investment has been an extreme soft spot. It's actually been... it's actually been a negative. About, it's actually been a negative new in the past proposal that he just floated this week, and Larry Kudlow talked about too, to offer tax cuts to the to the to the middle class if they come up with tax cut 2.0. You know, I don't think it's a good idea to tell you the truth, uh, and, and the reason is that. Um, we have a big revenue problem in this country, and we, we don't talk about this enough because we're so focused on, on the high-level fights between the candidates and the billionaires. Mm-hmm. The motivation for these policies that Warren and Sanders and Biden and, frankly, all of them are talking about is to raise the revenues to support meeting it, the it's challenges. Not, it's not that, to cancel out the deficit, though. They are talking about not big canceling programs out the deficit. with additional a, spending. It's a, fair, it's a fair point and a good point, and I actually Jared, think Jared, I would though, like to see the Jared, deficit. I'm going to push back on you, which is to say... The, the thing that I don't don't understand about this for the life of me is if you're going to push a wealth tax, it's not being advertised as a revenue generator. It's just not. That's that's not the ad. Oh, no, that's That's wrong. not the ad that Elizabeth Warren is taking out. That's not the ad that Bernie Sanders is taking out. I actually don't know why they don't call it the, the wealth insurance program, which is to say... We're going to tax you to effectively protect your wealth. When she first introduced her wealth tax, she talked about raising over $2 trillion over 10 years. The reason I remember that is because there was a lot of scuffling and fighting about whether that was a realistic number. And we can have that discussion. So initially, there was a revenue focus. I think what's happened is she's found this political opening because of the kinds of arguments that uh, this, this ad is generating and all the debates that we had. And that's a political winner for her, as I said. But initially, the idea here, and it's still all over her material is to raise pay-fors to pay for her programs. And I agree with Becky. That doesn't take down the deficit that we have, but theoretically it doesn't add to it. Hey, Joe, you need to push back on, on this narrative that I hear. When someone from the left just says, you know what, the jury is in, trickle down and supply side exactly. uh, growth does not work. That's such crap. With, That's with, a with load the, of crap, with, Garrett, with, that, it, that it's yeah. been proven with, that, it, that it doesn't work. If I can interject it's here. It's not empirical. Go ahead, If I can interject. It's not empirical. It's If you grow the pie, you have more to split up. If all you do is split it up, a smaller pie, it doesn't help anyone. Go ahead, Joel. Look, we have statistics on this, thankfully. 
And this is government data. And, you, and, and I'm sorry, Jared, the numbers aren't on your side on this. Median I cited house, government me, data. Median, median household income is at an all-time record high, second all-time record high that we've had. Unemployment. Second, second of all. Second Lack of all. Unemployment. No, no, se- not the second, second of all. all-time greatest high that we've ever had. It, it is. Census median, Bureau data. Median, income has, median family sen- income has hit look, record highs about 30 times. If, I, if I can finish guys, my... I'm, if I'm can sorry, finish I'm not going to be able to let you finish your thoughts because we are Please. out of time on this. Coming up, La Dolce Vita in the kitchen. Chef and entrepreneur Lydia Bastianich. It's very important that I'm truthful to my guests, to my customers in the sense of quality. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Let's take out the bay leaves. Let's fish out the mussels. Tutti a tavola a mangiare. Everyone to the table to eat. It's Italian food guru Lydia Bastianich's catchphrase. She's authored over a dozen cookbooks, hosts a public television show called Lydia's Kitchen, and owns and operates several restaurants you may have heard of. Popular places like Becco and Del Posto in New York and Italian marketplace Italy which has several delicious locations around the country. But her first restaurant, Felidia, is the inspiration for her newest book. Lydia joined Squawk Box to discuss the restaurant industry, her food products, and whether you should eat out or dine in for Thanksgiving. Okay, folks, we're now just two weeks away from Thanksgiving, and according to the National Restaurant Association, home for the holidays doesn't always mean dining in. This according to some latest data. Nearly 10% of surveyed uh, plan to go out to eat on Thanksgiving. I don't do this. On Thanksgiving, I eat with the family. In the house, Uh, two thirds of shoppers uh, out on Thanksgiving Day and Black Friday will dine out. Now, for more on all of this, I want to welcome our special guest, Lydia uh, Bastianich is here, uh, chief restaurateur, award winning television host. Bastianich runs a food empire uh, with her children, Tanya and Joseph. Uh, Joseph's been on the show before. I don't know, has Tanya been with us on the show? I don't know. Uh, There's a new book out, uh, Lydia Recipes from My Flagship Restaurant. Lydia, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure being here. What Buongiorno a tutti. What, hold on. What do you, what? Yes? Yes. Uh, thank what you. do you make of people eating out on Thanksgiving? How do you feel about <laughs> that? Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of split. Yeah. I have restaurants. I love that. They, they fill them up. They come. And it's really challenging and wonderful to feel that you're part of a special day or a special family day. Big families come all the time. Right. And, I, and I love that. And on the other hand... But you want you, people cooking in their home, right? Yeah, but I'm there's, looking at all there's this, plenty of people out there. goods here. Yeah, there's plenty of people. Is this, uh, uh, where, where can, can we get, we can get you, all this at Italy, right? You can get it at Italy. You can get it at the ma- all major store, uh, stores, ShopRite, uh, uh, whatever. The stores, it's in the stores. It's on the web. It's whatever. 
the wine as well as the pasta and sauces. So what is your fa- actually? I'm curious though. Do you have a favorite distributor? Meaning, do you, are, are there retailers that you like more than others? You just like all retailers. Uh, you know, sell your stuff. Yeah, I, from the point of view of having a line, uh, but I am cautious, and and I do visit. We do visit. My son-in-law is involved. Yeah. We do visit the stores regularly to make sure that it is rotated, that the dates are correct. You know, because once you send out your product, you don't know how it's managed right. out there. All does the everybody time. sell it at the same price? Uh, no. Eat the each one, and so you control that as well. You're like you're like the first bush. Yeah, when's the last time you were in a place? You know they have scanners now. That <laughs> no, where you I go? Just, no, when I say do they all sell at the same price? You could go. No, to, I know, to but, Wall, but to you said shop, right? uh, have you been to shop? Eatly. When's the last time you were in a shop? Eatly, well, by the way, is, I assume where do you send margin. your people? Which supermarket do you send oh, your people? Stop to? Stop it! I was just you, in the King's has it. King's yes. is a great and, and I guarantee you, I pay. Why pay okay. less? I pay a lot more in King's than I do shop. So to get back to the prices, yeah. We do, you know, you do promotion with the stores. Right. You give them at a discount to them. Hopefully, they'll pass on the discount to the customers. Right. And those, that's the thing. But that how we much have is that check. about getting shelf space? Shelf space is like paying rent. You were talking about some rent before yeah, I yeah, came yeah. in. It's paying rent, and it's high. The rent in the stores, placing your products, it's pretty high. Okay, what about web and direct? direct-to-consumer right now? Well, that's, of course, the growing that's the holy market. Grail for you. It's a whole new, we love it, we're on it. Uh, Amazon, we're on it. Uh, you are, you, and you like Amazon. Because uh, some people have misgivings about being on Amazon. Well, you see, this is a product that I can control. So for me, it's very important that I'm truthful to my guests, to my customers, in the sense of quality, and what I put out there right. reflects my philosophy of good food, uh, at the right price for the people. So that's, that's important uh, to me very much. And I, we control that to some extent. It's packaged. It's all that. We put it out there. Now, how they sell it out there, right. I, I hope that they do justice, that they deliver it on time, that it's packaged properly so it doesn't break and so on. But what's the, the Amazon worry always is that, it, or is that would you like to have a, a more direct-to-consumer relationship with the, with the I, customer? But that I, also costs sometimes more because you have to acquire that customer in a different way. It, it, it does. You're absolutely right. You know, and uh, you can deny the exposure of a company such as Amazon, certainly. Right. But, you know, I do appreciate very much that direct contact with the customer. Mm-hmm. And that's partly, I think, right. my longevity in the business because uh, I think earning the respect of your guest and your customers, they will keep on buying and coming back. Lydia, what do you see in the restaurants right now? What, what does it tell you about the American consumer, their willingness to spend? And, it's and go changing. And it's a time for restaurants really to take a look, restaurant tours and business, because the business is really changing. It's changing uh, with the millennials and, and really wanted, wanting great product, but wanting value. They are not as interested in service and in kind of fancy tablecloths. Mm-hmm. They want it delivered. They want it on time. They want it good. They want it delivered, not even in the restaurant necessarily. Well, delivered, I mean... Oh, to the when, table. But right. bo- both ways. Oh. You know, both ways. The, the, the delivery element is really Who taking Who do you off. use for your delivery? Do you use Uber Eats? We, we, we haven't really delved into, into it. There because I'm, I'm very uh, concerned about the quality that ultimately will be delivered. Mm-hmm. And plus, money-wise, these companies take a big chunk. They take 30% off, uh, you know, the, the price that 
how do they do? They take right. it from me right. and they increase the price. So my, my visibility out there to the customer may be, oh, it's not worth it. It's too expensive right. and whatever. And it uh, but, you, but, you know, we started our business in the restaurants. And that's where our core business is and uh, the con- right. communication. What are you doing to address these changes that you see in the population's taste for restaurants at this point? Well, as a restaurateur, you have to be very cautious and attentive and you have to be within the move. You have to sort of be almost ahead. And uh, as right. chefs, we, we do set uh, uh, the, the pace, if you will. We do kind of innovate uh, going ahead. What is the quality of the food? So in each restaurant, uh, for example, the longevity of Felidia, whose right. book yes. we have here, is uh, 38 years. And that's almost unheard in the restaurant industry. So, you know, you might ask why, why? And again, going back to that, first of all, the Italian way of life, the Italian food is honest, it's seasonal. It really tastes good and nurtures you. So that's important to keep. Tips, I just wanna know about tipping. What do you think? What do you, no, I do. Andrew wants to know how little he can get. Well, no, no, but, but the whole, it feels like tipping is changing because there's so many restaurants now that aren't accepting tips. I thought tips. you had this all worked out. You do the Elizabeth Warren tip. You do 2%, don't you? No. That's what. And, and by the way, there are now new services. You don't do the wealth tax I don't know if you know tip. About, do you know about Resi, which was just bought by American Express, and there's all these other services. In the future, a lot of people are just going to walk into the, walk into the restaurant Sit down, order the food, yeah. and walk, walk out. out without paying. Just right. like with the and Amazon the tip stores. will be uh, no, the, added. A lot of places to, they have twenty percent just in, that, included. That, yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah. It's between fifteen and twenty yes, percent. And if you're years. very, very generous, you right. over. Right. Uh, you know, my that was philosophy. A good one. Elizabeth Warren tip. That's your. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Two percent won't do. Two percent. Next time you come in the restaurant, the customer and you know the the servers because they deserve. They work very hard. Lydia, it is great to see you. We're thrilled to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. Two weeks in advance. Thank you. The same to you. I'm going to do a red sauce for my Thanksgiving. And Lydia is the book. Yep. For Lydia, we have a dinner for Thanksgiving, so it is the book. You can come. The book. We can come for. Maybe I should take the whole family. You should. You I'm really gonna call you because we have. I now know somebody. We have the delicious. I get a reservation, maybe. Delicious, and you know, turkey. Turkey is not so Italian. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Subscribe to Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating or review or tweet us at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.